the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. Today is Tuesday, June 9, 2020, in the year of our Lord. On June 9, 2004, the body of Ronald Reagan arrived in Washington to lie in state in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. They always do that with presidents in more modern times. 40th president. His funeral was held. He's buried in California in Simi Valley, as you know, at the Reagan Library. Today in 18, uh, or in A.D. 68, Roman Emperor Nero committed suicide, ended a 13-year reign. Today in 1860, what's considered the first dime novel, I think it's pronounced Maleska. There's all kinds of pronunciations on this word, and some people spell it differently so they can pronounce it differently. I don't know, but that's what's on the cover of the book. I looked at it. So I think it's Maleska, but it's uh, it was a novel, a dime novel, and titled Maleska, The Indian Wife of the White Hunter. It was written by Ann Stevens. It was published, as I said, in 1860. Today, within three months, it sold 65,000 copies. And they didn't have the kind of advertising then that we have now, Internet, TV, etc. 65,000, that's a beyond, way beyond a bestseller by today's standards. Within, thir- within three months, 65,000 people wanted to read a story. In 1860, the buildup toward the what we know as the Civil War was well underway. There was a lot of strife in America. In fact, America was, as far as the just the attitude and the feelings in America, much like today. It was centered on race, on slavery. People want, needed an escape. They needed to get away from it all for a while, so they bought this novel. Today, in 1940, during World War II, Norway made the decision to surrender to the Nazis. It was effective tonight at midnight. Today, in 1943, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed the Current Tax Payment Act of 1943 that reintroduced the federal income tax withholding from your paycheck or your parents' paycheck. Today, 1978, leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints struck down a 148-year-old policy of excluding black men from the Mormon priesthood. And today in 2008, I think most of us will remember this, Retail gas prices went above $4 per gallon for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time ever. And in some places, I recall, they went up to over 5 and then over $6 a gallon. But today in 2008, a gallon of gas costs more than 4 bucks. First time in America. Franklin Graham is pretty upset. He's been talking a lot about it the last couple of days. He got on Twitter yesterday He's talking about this whole idea of defunding the police um, departments in in cities across the country. It's kind of a growing thing. It's kind of like a fad among the far-left radicals who are insane, on this idea at least. 
Franklin Graham wrote on Twitter yesterday, he said, George Floyd's tragic death has sparked a new pandemic of fear. He said, some Democrats are saying the solution is to defund or dismantle police departments. This has to be one of the most irresponsible ideas I've ever heard. He said, this would lead to more anarchy. He said, we need to pray for our law enforcement and encourage them. Franklin said, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. This is the calling many of them have answered with their lives. Well, he's right. I know a lot of, in fact, I had members of our church that I pastored were, they were involved in law enforcement. They considered themselves peacemakers and they considered it a calling. He said, we need to pray for them. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. The police, Franklin said, are what stand between us and total anarchy. That's true. It's sad, but it's true. Our founding fathers understood that. That's why they put checks and balances in all of our founding documents, the Constitution in particular, but the laws based on primarily on, on the Ten Commandments, but on biblical teaching. Even Thomas Jefferson, who was considered one of the least religious among our founding fathers, he had been Franklin, even Thomas Jefferson recognized how that God must play an important role in government, in civil government, or else it will collapse. In fact, Thomas Jefferson once said, God who gave us liberty, gave us life, gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Well, a lot of times people write volumes about Jefferson and how he was not a Christian and he wrote his own Bible and, and all, and some of that is true. But I, And I don't know about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he did recognize the importance of godliness and of God and Scripture in a successful culture. When you remove God and you remove his word from any culture, it becomes chaotic. It ultimately cannot succeed. Our culture has succeeded until now, and it I think it hangs in the balance, really. The upcoming election, and putting this is not a political statement at all. I make political statements, but this isn't one of them. Our culture hangs in the balance in this 2020 election. I wish I wish a pastor was running for president, but they're not. We have great needs in this country. Charlie Daniels is one of the most prolific fiddle players in history. He's recognized as such. He's in the Hall of Fame, the Country Music Hall of Fame. He's in the uh, couple of other halls of fame. Uh, very well known, and it just... If you like that kind of music, and I do, I like really like classical music, to be honest with you. We listen to it a lot in our home, but I like his music. <clears throat> I like bluegrass. I like all kinds of music. Let's just be honest. But Charlie is the best at what he does by all, you know, by all accounts. But what is lost on Charlie Daniels sometimes, is he's a pretty deep thinker. He's very articulate, and he's smart as a whip. I don't know what his education is. I've never met him, but I do have personal friends that are personal friends with him, and they've told me a lot about his personal life. And he's profoundly committed to Jesus Christ. He is a 
all-out Christian. And these guys spend time with him. But he wrote this the other day, and I don't usually quote for two or three minutes from someone. I quote many people often, but not a lot. But I want to just share this with you today. I, I just Somehow I just felt kind of nudged to share this with you this morning. So let me do it. He wrote this day before yesterday. Charlie Daniels, greatest fiddler of all times. He's been thinking about what's going on in America. Here's what he said. He said, I have, as I'm sure most of you have too, been caught up in the bad news cycle. Seems like it's one bad report after another with politicians trying to take advantage and media trying to scare us even more than we already are. He said the pandemic, the economy, the seeming shutdown of almost everything along with the violence on the streets is enough to keep you depressed, despondent, afraid, and confused. He said, I've been trying to find a little light at the end of this long and tragic tunnel, and I've come to a few conclusions. Number one, don't sit and watch the news all day and all night. Sadly, it's the same thing over and over, just reported from different people's perspectives. He said, you're basically not getting anything new, and the media loves to beat the same old tired horse, and the worse the, worse the scenario they can project, the better they like it. Number two... He said, remember that it's the intent of some politicians and those in the media to paint the darkest picture they can conjure up to scare the public into going along with the prolific spending and loss of personal freedoms. Number three, he said, see to the needs of the ones you're responsible for and don't worry about the food, fuel, and other basic needs running out. He said, you may have to settle for some off-brands and certain non-essentials, maybe in short supply, but he said, you can keep your family fed and your vehicles running. Number four, he said, just because there are people busting up storefronts and setting police cars on fire, never believe that there are enough of them to overcome our society. That's why they desperately want you to believe in panic from fear. Number five, he said, if you don't own a firearm, get one. It doesn't have to be a 9mm semi-automatic or an AK-47. He said, get something you can handle and that you're not afraid of. The more basic, the better. He said, the best home protection I know of is a double-barrel 12-gauge shotgun with hammers you cock by hand before you shoot. It doesn't jam, and when loaded with double-odd buckshot, and both barrels fired simultaneously can take down any three people coming through your front door. He said, we all hope and pray it won't come to that, but if you're apprehensive, a little preparation could help. He said, there's always a lesson to be learned, and I have had a lesson, and I had already learned, reinforced. There are things that happen in this world that man has no control over whatsoever. A farmer can plant a seed, but he can't make it grow. A baby can be delivered into the world, but no one can make it start breathing. A doctor can treat, prescribe medicine, and perform surgery, but he cannot heal. All these things require the touch of the Creator's hand to cause a seed to grow, a baby to breathe, a medicine to heal, and the answer to a cure for a deadly pandemic. He said, the world stood totally helpless in the grip of the coronavirus. We knew nothing about it except that it was extremely contagious and deadly. Even after the drastic measures of shutting down whole nations, quarantining millions of people, denying public access and public gatherings, the virus kept killing thousands of people. He said, man man can discover, experiment, develop, test, and administer drugs and therapies, but he cannot make them work. The knowledge to develop a cure for coronavirus will have to be imparted by Almighty God. When scientists and medical researchers 
came across a vaccine for polio, smallpox, yellow fever, and all the other diseases that once caused death and deformity, it was not just a stroke of luck or trial and error. It was ordained by the hand of God. And when an effective cure for COVID-19 is perfected, it will also be so ordained. God is operating in his way and his time. The Bible says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. You can believe this now or you can believe it later. But you will believe it. COVID-19, he says in closing, is not the last set of deadly germs that could spring up, spring forth from far-flung corner of the world at any time and all the knowledge, technology, and brain power of the world can't cope with it. Only God can impart life. Only God can make a seed grow. Only God can reveal the answer to the deadly pandemic. Thank you, Charlie. That was better than a concert. I thought you might take something from that. I did. We need some things today. Bitter America is becoming obsessed with kneeling. Can you believe it? I remember in my church that I grew up in, they were always trying to get us to kneel down and pray. Now America is trying to get the whole country. I mean, there are people, activists in America, trying to get the whole country to kneel. But they're not kneeling for prayer. They're kneeling to a cause. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. I know this can be controversial, and I I know there are people listening to this program, I'm becoming aware, that don't agree with me. But thank you for listening. And just keep an open mind and an open heart, and who knows what God may do for you, because I do the best I can to stay very close to the truth of God's Word. God's Word is truth. My Word is about God's truth. I'm not the truth. He's the truth. And we try to point you ultimately to God. And I would strongly urge you, whatever you think of what I'm saying, consider the truth of God's Word. Because it'll make all the difference to you when you pass from this life into the next. Because you're going to meet Him. And you will bow before Him. The Bible is very clear on that. Whether you've accepted him or not, all of us will bow a knee. And I'll come back to that a little bit later. Yesterday, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senator Chuck Schumer, they led a number of other Democrats taking a knee, as they say. Tim Tebow actually started that phrase, taking a knee. He was doing it to God. Remember the football player, famous, very famous football player? His mother's doctor had suggested that, very strongly suggested she get an abortion because her she he said her life was in danger. She and her husband were missionaries, Baptist missionaries. They didn't believe in abortion. They said, no, we won't do that. Even if it cost me my life, I can't do that. They didn't. Tim Tebow was born. He became and is a great influence in the world today, a great athlete for a number of years, both college and professional. But he used to, on the sidelines, he used to, without making a big deal out of it, it was the press who made the big deal, he would just kneel down and pray during the game that God would help him. And I don't know what he prayed, but he was praying to God. He loves the Lord. Well, that caught on. And then now people that are protesting America and the flag and whatever, all these guys and when we used to have football games, they turned that into something that it never was in the beginning. But so now we're taking a knee. Now we're taking a knee for slavery or whatever. So yesterday, Nancy Pelosi, Senator Schumer, they led a group, a contingency of Democrats, 
Take a knee on the steps of the Capitol, right near, just outside the door of Emancipation Hall. Doctors and nurses are also kneeling now. In fact, it's organized. In fact, they have their own website now. It's called White Coats for Black Lives. Doctors and nurses all across the nation are going out on the sidewalk and the street corners, and they're kneeling down. I don't know if that's submission or if it's agreement. I mean, it could be different things in different people's hearts. Only God knows the person's heart, but I'm just looking at what they're doing. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, others, took a knee. In fact, on that concrete outside Emancipation Hall there on the steps of the U.S. Capitol, they all knelt down, a whole bunch of them, and they had on some African garb, a, a, a kind of a, a kind of a scarf thing, and I mean they were, it was very important to them, and they took a knee. In fact, they kneeled for eight minutes and forty six seconds. That's the time the Minneapolis policeman kept his knee on George Floyd's neck until he lost consciousness and died. I understand that. That was unthinkable. It is indescribable how immoral that was. It was murder, in my mind, in my view. And I think the courts will find that. The man has been charged today. He ought not to have done that. That's wrong. It doesn't matter about the color of the skin. It's wrong. It's immoral. Interestingly enough, after that eight minutes and 46 seconds, Nancy Pelosi, who turned 80 years old in March, couldn't get up. I, I, I'm kind of smiling, but I'm very serious about this. Honest, she couldn't get up. And one of her aides, who were standing by off camera, while she was kneeling on camera, they had to come over and help her before she fell over on her side. When you get older, I'm told, you sometimes you can't skip rope and climb mountains like you did when you were, you know, 40. I'm over 40, but I don't know much about <laughs> Everybody does. So I, I'm not, I, I'm smiling, but I'm not laughing. But she couldn't stand up. So they helped her stand up. That was not planned for. She said, well, something about age. Yeah, we all understand, Nancy. We're all over, <clears throat> a lot of us are over 40. And the kids that aren't over 40, they'll learn as they go forward. But I don't know, It's it just left a picture in my mind that, is remains at least this morning when I saw that on video. Somehow we get locked into position sometimes of kneeling for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying they shouldn't have empathy. They should, and action needs to be taken. I'm not saying that. I can be misunderstood. I know that. I can be misunderstood every day on this program. But I, pl- I, I come here because I believe God has called me to say something. And we say it to the best of our ability. But somehow that left a picture in my mind of people, how we get locked into sometimes kneeling for one thing when we should really be kneeling for the other because kneeling for the other is where the real solution is. Obviously, Charlie Daniels gets that. I think America needs to get it now. So anyway, she couldn't stand up, but they helped her stand up. Pelosi preface this visit to Emancipation Hall invoking the tragedy, the horror of slaves being forcibly brought to America, the consequences of that. She said, we are here to observe that pain. She had some pain of her own. As I said, she couldn't stand up, but 
They were there for, to observe that pain. Schumer called the event profound and an important moment. He said the goal is to boost accountability, transparency, and change the culture in the nation's police departments. Schumer has demanded that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader of the Senate, bring the new Democrat legislation, it's called Justice in Policing Act, to the Senate for immediately for a vote. Immediately, right now. Even though it was the Democrats who sat on much legislation during the pandemic and then pompously carried it down the halls of Congress over to the Senate, Nancy Pelosi in particular, to make a point that they won't be pushed or rushed and they're going to do what they're going to do on behalf of their agenda. So now they're asking Mitch McConnell to set all that aside and actually, you know, just pass it. Don't worry about it. Healthcare workers have organized around a phrase and a website, White Coats for Black Lives. It's a comment heard often from healthcare workers now is, we're all the same. We all have the same organs. With all due respect to them, and we all know people in the medical field, maybe some of our family members are, and I guess we all have a doctor at some point or another. But, you know, it's... I appreciate the spirit. We do all have the same organs. But you know, in God's sight, we all have the same skin, too. And there are some of us, I would say to the healthcare workers, that have already recognized that in our simplicity, us little people out here. We're not all wrapped up in the color of the skin. We really aren't. We don't really care about the organs of our black brothers and sisters because we already don't have an issue with them. I grew up with some black kids, and many of you did, and many of you, perhaps some of you, grew up in a ghetto somewhere. I don't know. Maybe some of you listening today are black, but that's not the point. I know it's made the point. It is the point politically. But we do have the same organs regardless of the color of our skin because we have the same creator. If we believe we evolved, then I don't know what the answer is. I mean, if we honestly believe we evolved over millions of years out of a swamp somewhere, and people do, your kid gets taught that every day when he goes to school. They do. (laughs) We used to call it evolution. Now they just, it's just a fact. It's not disputed in their mind. So they just teach your kid that. So if that's true, I, I don't know about black and white. I don't know why some of us are different colors. But if we believe that God himself created us in his image and his likeness, and I do, then why would it matter? Across the country, the media is reporting, even in Alaska, healthcare workers are dropping to their knees. <laughs> That's a quote. I saw three headlines that said those words, healthcare workers are dropping to their knees. I've not seen enough authenticity or and either Pelosi or Schumer, to believe their motives. i got to be honest with you. I don't know what their motives are. I doubt that they're pure. I believe they're probably political. But I don't know their heart. But even if they were, let's say they were pure in heart, in kneeling publicly, there's a tipping point at which kneeling becomes something different than it's supposed to be, knowingly or unknowingly. A point where it becomes more about you than about the victim's. 
it becomes, and we have a word for it now, it's called virtue signaling. Even the FBI is kneeling. Bob Barr, not to be confused with A.G. Bill Barr, he's an author, a guy I've known in the past, had meetings with him, we were doing, I can't even remember what it was, but something together a long time ago. He's an author, he's a former legislator from Georgia, he's, he lives there now. He was uh, the U.S. representative to the Congress in Georgia's 7th District. He's former U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia, and he now serves as president of the Law Enforcement Education Foundation based in Atlanta in his home. But Bob Barr, not Bill Barr, recounts that it's our FBI agents who brought down the Gambino crime family, aided in defeating the violent weather underground, which is led, actually founded, by Bill Ayers and his wife, Bernadine Dorn, I would add that Barack Obama, honestly, launched his political career in their living room. Very first fundraiser. They invited all their friends. Bill and Bernadine, founders of the Weather Underground, that whose mission was, and they've said it even in recent years, to bomb federal buildings, blow up any building that belonged to the government. Some of their followers spent years in prison. Both Bill and Bernadine became professors in Chicago at two different universities. But here they are, the FBI kneeling before the group whose acts of destruction are still smoldering. Barr says, I never dreamed I'd see the day that the FBI on their knees in the street in front of demonstrators. That isn't who they are or what they're supposed to be. The FBI, he says, now has morphed into a pale reflection of its former self. He says it's unclear whether these individuals knelt out of fear, were ordered by their superiors at the Bureau to assume a submissive pose, or whether each was doing so because they personally supported the rioters and the demonstrators. He said what is clear, however, is that the FBI in the 21st century has lost sight of its mission and purpose and apparently no longer acts on its own intelligence. Now, I can say on his behalf, he doesn't believe every person in the FBI is that way, but he's talking about in a general sense and what the public sees. Well, he's right. We need clarity on kneeling. Georgia State Patrolman O'Neill Sadler brought some clarity this weekend. I want to tell you about it. Apparently, apparently he was out in the streets, one of the demonstrations at his home there in Georgia, And somebody asked him, why aren't you kneeling? They confronted him, a white guy. Why aren't you kneeling? Don't you support us and and this movement and everything? And somebody had their camera out. They always do, their iPhone, and they were taking a video of this. He said the police turned to this guy with all respect. It was a woman, a white woman, and then there were a couple of other guys there agreeing with her. He said, if I didn't have respect, I wouldn't be here. He said, I was supposed to be out of town this weekend with my wife. I took off today, this weekend, but I'm out here to make y'all, <laughs> y'all safe. Then he added, he said, don't go there with respect, okay? I have much respect, but I only kneel for one person. And somebody in the crowd shouted, that's God, right? The trooper looked right at him, it's on video, and he said, that's right, it's God. Following that exchange, you can audibly hear people in the crowd clapping and cheering him. People are looking for somebody that has some kind of sense of where we are, based in truth, today. And that's what the Church of Jesus Christ needs to be. 
And I would encourage you to be that person. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow. Thank you for being with me today, and thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow.